0: The Ian O'Connor Show on 98.7 ESPN. Listen, Logan Ryan, some really good stuff from him on the Giants, where they are and where they're, they're trying to, to get to where he's been. Two-time champion with the Patriots. And I have to say, just being in that locker room over the years, this probably wasn't said enough because Belichick is such an all-consuming force and entity in the NFL. But that system of his over the years, now we'll see how it plays out year two. This is a big bounce back year for, for Bill Belichick without Brady after Brady won the Super Bowl without him. We know that. But with Brady over the years, it was all about the quarterback and the head coach, particularly the head coach, putting that program in place. But there is a human heartbeat to that. And when you're in the Patriots locker room, yeah, most of the time they don't say much because they're under orders not to say much. But Logan Ryan and Devin McCourty, along with Brady, as professional professional athletes, you're going to find pros, pros, to the nth degree, thoughtful. And those guys do say things. And it's interesting, they're both from Rutgers, McCourty and, and Logan Ryan, how that uh, plays out. But it, it, it is about the players always at the end. And And Logan Ryan really, I thought, embodied – what the players brought to the table inside that system, not talked about, written about enough over time with the Patriots and the greatest dynasty we've seen in the modern NFL. The Giants right now just trying to get back to being a a part of the relevant conversation in New York. And I don't think New York sports is nearly as interesting a place without the Giants being the Giants. And it's been a long time. They haven't won a playoff game since they won that second Super Bowl in the 2011 season over the Patriots. And it's time for them to come back. Let's go to the phone lines. Rob in Deer Park. Rob, you have a thought on Logan Ryan. Go ahead, Rob.
1: Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me on the show. Um, Logan Ryan is one of the most professional-sounding people I've ever listened to. Everything he was saying from it doesn't matter where I think we start at the beginning of the year, it matters where we are at, in the moment, like starting off 2-4 and four in Tennessee, and about how Daniel Jones, he's not worried about the third year, he's worried about the 17th year, uh, everything about it, everything about that, and you, you conducted a great interview, because he he was saying all the right things, and as a Giants fan, I am thoroughly excited for the season.
0: Well, thank you, uh, it, it was all him, I appreciate the call, Rob, and, and he is a great guy to have on, because he's so thoughtful, and that secondary is is a very strong one, it's going to be the maybe the strength of that of that defense if not the team but giants fans don't want to wait until year 17 for daniel jones to prove his worth <laughs> i mean that's the one thing and i know this is only year 3 but it's a big year 3 and everyone in the giants organization knows that daniel jones has the athleticism he has the work ethic so people i know in the organization have basically called him an athletic eli manning Right, So that, that's the one thing Eli didn't have. Eli was an opportunistic, great quarterback when he had to be great, not great all the time, borderline Hall of Famer. He'll get in because he beat Belichick and Brady twice in the biggest game, was a two-time MVP of the biggest game. And let's face it, the last name isn't going to hurt his candidacy and playing in the New York marketplace is not going to hurt his candidacy. He was a 500 quarterback, but those of us who saw him on a regular basis know he deserves to end up where his brother ended up on Sunday in Canton. Maybe not on roller skates like Parcells used to say, like Peyton went in on roller skates. Eli might have to go over a few speed bumps to get there, but he will get there, I think without question. But he was he was an opportunistic quarterback, clutch, poised in the biggest moments, not athletic. So he wasn't winning games on his physical gifts. Danny Jones can, he has the arm, he can run. He really athletic and, and smart and work ethic. So, but it's it's a matter of putting that all together. And of course, cutting down the turnovers, his fumbles were down last year, but his numbers overall actually regressed. So, where is he right now? It's interesting. I always think about what could have been. And when the Giants traded Beckham to Cleveland, had they made that trade, say, before the 2018 draft and, and before they paid him the $95 million, and I know that Beckham was coming off the injury, but still, you could have maybe gotten him in a package or packaged him with other assets to Cleveland maybe for that fourth pick in that draft. And Cleveland still had the number one pick, so they were going to take Baker Mayfield. The Giants would then have the second pick and say they took Sam Darnold at number two. The Jets would have taken Josh Allen at three, and the Giants would have gotten Saquon Barkley at four. So they could have ended up with, theoretically, Darnold and and Barkley in that draft had they been able to make that deal before the 2018 draft instead of later on. And so it's interesting where how things change uh, with the Giants of course when they waited a year they got their quarterback after Eli needed to Eli pl- played that one last year and then obviously it was time to to make the change over to Daniel Jones and you could argue certainly that was a, a mistake to wait like the Giants did and certainly you don't want to give a receiver 95 million dollars and then 15 minutes later turn around and and trade him so, uh, But this is a, a huge year for, for all concerned. They do have some weapons now. Tony, the draft pick, along with Galladay and, and free agency. We'll see about Kyle Rudolph if he does come back and, and, and helps that tight end. Jones, overall, 8-18. Eight and 18. And again, his numbers did uh, regress last year. The fumbles were down. I think it's interesting, that opener against Denver. My suspicion is that there were people in the... NFL office who thought that perhaps Aaron Rodgers would be quarterbacking the Denver Broncos for week one in the New York market because Denver Giants, that's a strange opening game for, for the Giants. You look at the Jets have the natural game with Darnold and Carolina. That makes sense. But Denver only made sense to me if Aaron Rodgers was the quarterback of that team. And you know, it's uh It's a funny thing, and I think the schedule makers were were thinking at the time, well, it looks like the Broncos are the most likely destination for Aaron Rodgers. And, and of course, he decided to stay at least one more year. And I saw a question on ESPN.com recently. Who's more likely to get back to the Super Bowl, the Chiefs or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? And I thought it was obvious, frankly, that it was the Buccaneers who had the easier road. For this reason, Well, first of all, Tom Brady has gone to the Super Bowl 10 times in 19 healthy seasons. My math tells me that's better than 50%. I think it's 53%. Now you're going to tell me Mahomes, well, he's gone two of three years as the quarterback, but it's so early in his career, and, and the guy's incredible. But in the AFC, Mahomes has to deal with Baltimore and Lamar Jackson, Buffalo and Josh Allen, Cleveland and Baker Mayfield. The Titans are still there. Belichick could have a bounce back year. In the NFC... What does Brady have to deal with? Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers, but that could be a mess. You don't know how that's going to play out this year, given the drama of the offseason. And I think most people believe that A-Rod is one and done there now with the Packers, and he will be on another team next year. But the Packers are there, and then who else in the NFC scares you? And Brady just... When you look at the odds, he gets to the Super Bowl every other year in his career, really more so 53 percent of the time he's gone to the Super Bowl, not counting 2008, when, of course, he missed that year. And when I mentioned that it was a, a big bounce back year for Belichick, I think. Okay, last year, 7-9, and nine, but you look at his, his history as a head coach, four losing seasons in Cleveland out of five, and then he starts his New England career with Bledsoe at quarterback. He goes 5-13 and 13 with Bledsoe. Brady gets hurt. And I remember standing on the field, it was the Patriots against the Jets the first Sunday. They played football after 9-11 in Foxborough. And I was standing next to Gary Myers, And Adrian Wojnarowski at the time for the final, I don't know, seven, eight minutes of that game. And Brady trots in after Bledsoe took still, and I've said this many times, the loudest hit I've ever heard on an NFL field was Mo Lewis tearing into Drew Bledsoe. And as it turns out, unfortunately, almost tragically, Bledsoe had some really serious internal bleeding and injuries that... Some people believe his life might have been in danger, but he did come back later that season. Belichick, of course, stayed with Brady. But that Sunday in Foxborough is when NFL history changed, literally. Tom Brady trots in. The Jets end up winning that game, but uh, Brady takes it from there, and the dynasty is is born. But that uh, since that point, of course, 2008, when Brady's out, Belichick does go 11 and five with Matt Castle, So he has that going for him. But overall, four losing seasons in Cleveland out of five, five and 13 with Bledsoe before Brady takes over that Sunday in Foxborough after 9 11. Then he does have the 11 and five in 2008 when Brady's out, but then last year, the seven and nine without him. So who's going to be the quarterback this year in New England? Cam Newton obviously I, he'll start. Is he going to last the seventeen games? It still feels weird to say seventeen instead of sixteen. And then Mac Jones comes in and plays. And I, I think it's a Brady may end up winning another championship. I don't think Belichick wants to sit there at seven and nine again with Tom Brady back in the Super Bowl. That is going to hurt. Of course, they do play this year in October in Foxborough. That is going to be a major event. But in the AFC, and we'll get to the Jets, of course, in a little bit, but I think it's the Patriots and the Dolphins fighting for that second-place spot in the AFC East, and the wild card that will come out of that division you think I still see the Jets as a last place team the Ian O'Connor show on 98.7
1: ESPN
2: I think this team really cares about one another I think these guys understand how it, what each person puts in every single day and I think they respect that the work that they're trying to put on tape I think when you see fights is when players are being cheap and doing extra and really trying to hurt another person's career playing your tail off and playing with effort and technique and a little bit of physicality is not cheap. That's just part of football. And I think these guys respect one another. Jets coach
0: Robert Sala on fights in training camp. And I basically don't really put much credence into the impact one way or another fights have. Unless somebody gets hurt, which of course you can't have in training camp because of a fight. Or... Unless it creates lingering divisions in the locker room, which is very rare. I think I've found in, in my years covering the NFL that these things are basically useless. Joe Judge's reaction to it was comical in a way. But it sure seemed like the Giants players completely embraced it. And I think Joe Judge has a really good Again, this is from the outside looking in. And 6-10 and is 6-10. It was a much better second half than first half last year. But as Parcell said, right? Don't have to repeat it. You are what your record says you are so he was a six and ten rookie head coach but I, I like the direction he's going in I like the fact and I had this conversation with him on the phone recently where he said being linked with Parcells and Coughlin means a lot to him and he's a guy who will take your phone calls on the Giants in one second one eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. but he's a guy who loves to and now he was basically a Belichick, Nick Saban guy, but he doesn't really talk about them anymore nearly as often as he talks about Coughlin and Parcells. The two guys who won two Super Bowls for this franchise each, he wants to be in that group. And he wants to coach like they did, physicality, toughness, demanding, old school. And he's going to win or get fired on that approach. I think a lot of people around him believe he will win and, and thrive and survive with the Giants long-term with that approach. And if you look at it, the history of the Giants says, this organization, the tough guys win, and the not-so-tough guys get fired. Just look at it. The only coaches who have won Super Bowls with the Giants, Parcells and Coughlin, were really tough, old-school guys. And there's something about this region that it just matches up. And Judge knows that. He talks more about having a team represent his region and the blue-collar people of New York and New Jersey more than any coach I've, I can remember in any sport. He, and he's a Philly guy. He's not a New Yorker or a New Jersey guy. He grew up on the NFC East, but not on Giants football. But that is very, very important to him. To me, that's a good thing. Let's go to Len in Staten Island. Len, you have a thought on Daniel
1: Jones. Go ahead. Hi, Ian. How are you? I, I, how are you, Len? I called before. I enjoy your work. Very Thank good. you. Thank you. So... Um, you know, I i would admit maybe I'm, um, I'm positive, but you know, if you just sit back and you look at Daniel Jones, he's looked very good. Yeah. He's in a couple of bad spots, but the team wasn't good. Right. The offensive line wasn't good. Some of the fumbles, it's because he was under duress. So I don't understand why people are, are so negative about Daniel Jones. Yes. He hasn't actually done it yet, but it's his third year. But if you look back, He's, he's looked good for a first and second year quarterback with a bad team. So I'm very bullish on Daniel
0: Jones. All right. Well, thanks, Len. And listen, I, and thanks for the call. I think he physically he has everything, and he has things that Eli Manning did not have. It, it is a matter of getting better protection, making some better decisions, putting it all together. He now, listen, they've given him no excuse now. They've given him playmakers. We think that Barkley is going – I think he'll play week one. But if not – It's a long season, man. It just got longer, 17 games. I think he'll play at least 15 or 16 of them, God willing. And so with the weapons that Daniel Jones has now, and yeah, I I think he's done fairly well, frankly, over his first couple of years. I think it's more positive than negative. And we'll see how it plays out. Let's go to Ray in the car. Ray, your thoughts on the Giants this year and what's a reasonable projection for their win total. Go ahead, Ray.
1: Okay, so I don't know why people don't think the Giants go to
2: 11 games it's for no other reason um, I mean the first six games don't they play the Falcons the Broncos and somebody else that's not that's good last year they have two division games Washington and Dallas I don't know what Dallas is going to be if Prescott's going to play and I know Washington is using Fitzpatrick or Fitzmagic but if they get Fitz tragic in that game why can't they win four of those first six games and be on their way. They're, the Giants seem to be, this is a year that if they're going to do anything, this is it, but why not 11 wins? The rest of their schedule is tough. I don't like them playing the NFC West. I think every one of those teams, I mean the AFC West, I think every one of those teams except for the Broncos could beat them. But You know, that's just the first six games. 17 games is weird because we used to look at the schedule in four-game
1: sets. I think we're going to start looking at it in five-game sets and then
3: the last two games are what
0: they are. They may not even play. Well, uh, thanks for the call. I'm looking at that schedule now. I think Denver becomes almost, I'm not going to say a must-win game. That's ridiculous in week one, but they need to win that game. It's at home. It's a very beatable opponent. And... uh, Week two at Washington on short rest. Road teams on Thursday night games. That's a difficult proposition with that defense. Atlanta at home, I think that's a win. So I think they should be two and one after three games. You expect them to win at New Orleans. They never play well there. I think that's a loss, two and two. At Dallas, probably two and three. And then you've got Los Angeles, Carolina at home. So you need to win one or two of those games. So I think they can get off to a decent start. But asking this group to to win eleven games, I, I don't know if I if I see that at all. I, I think nine, ten might be pushing it, and we'll go from there. Let's go to Lewis in New Jersey. You've got another thought on Daniel Jones. Go ahead, Lewis.
1: Yeah, you know, I've been watching the draft for years. I've been watching Daniel Jones as he's been the giant and, you know, all these so-called draft experts, they get enamored with all of this physical ability with a quarterback. But at the end of the day, they still won't get that the quarterback position is played from the neck up, not from the neck down. And these draft experts, they talk about, oh, he's got a great arm, he has this, he can run fast. But if he can't process quickly, it's no good. And Daniel Jones seems to not be able to process Quickly, he doesn't get rid of the ball fast enough, and that's always going to be a problem. That's part of the reasons why he's always sacked so much.
0: Well, and and that's a very good observation. Thanks for the call, Lewis. I think that you you might be on to something a little bit there. Now, he's from Duke, right? So we think, well, that's a smart guy. And he, when he gives interviews, he sounds intelligent. And we thought Eli was intelligent. He seems to be off, an awful lot like Eli, except with the athleticism part. And so maybe that's not a strength of his, but he's also under duress a lot, too. So I think it's perhaps a combination of those two things and a guy who might be taking a little longer to figure it out on the fly under duress than we thought he would or should. So I think that's a legitimate point. That's why this year, after two years under his belt, Let's see if he's processing more quickly and he obviously needs better protection. He now has better playmakers to me, that swing pass to Barkley Assuming he's healthy on the outside, they should do that all day. Just get Barkley outside in space. Get the ball out of Jones's hands. Give him some confidence making completions. And I think that's a great way for the Giants to go. The Ian O'Connor Show on 98.7 ESPN. We're talking about the, the Giants. We'll get to the Jets. Also, Zach Scott and his, I don't know if I'd call it a rip job on the players, but it came pretty damn close to that at least blaming the players anyway, for a lot of issues right now with the Mets who have unraveled almost on cue. We have seen that movie before in the past. People of a certain generation, like myself, who were there for the... 2007 collapse and the 2008 mini collapse as a sequel. Mets have fallen to 56 and 55. They need to win these two games today at City Field. For the Nationals, I'm a columnist for the New York Post. I'll be there at City Field. And it is weird to ask a team to win two games in one day in a very difficult sport to win one game in one day. But that's where the Mets are. They've put themselves in this position. When you look at what they have going forward, 13 games with the Dodgers and Giants, and then a series with the Yankees and a series with the Red Sox. And then at Milwaukee, man, they, they need to win these games against the Nationals. They're down 3-1, going into the bottom of the second Rain suspended the game last night. So they'll play nine innings in game one, starting at 4-10. And then the seven-inning nightcap, again, I'll be there for the new york post your thoughts we're talking giants we're talking jets we're talking belichick it seems one eight hundred nine let us go to richard in manhattan you have a thought on the head coach of the new england patriots go ahead richard
1: ian bill belichick his legacy just took two hits and i mean major hits First of all, for the 18, 19 years they were together, everyone said, is it Brady, is it Belichick, is it Brady, is it Belichick? Well, right now, there's no doubt it was Brady. It's 70% Brady, 30% Belichick. He's still a great coach, but he's not the genius that we all thought he was. Number two, his next hit, he let a a Super Bowl-winning quarterback leave his roster. Leave it. And he had him. He didn't have to do anything. Just sign him. And he let him go. Quarterback went to another team unknowing anything, not knowing the coach, not knowing the city, not knowing his teammates. And in his first year, this quarterback... The team to a Super Bowl. That's what that's what Belichick gave up. I don't want to hear any excuses about salary cap. He had other plans for another. There's no guarantee that any new quarterback he gets will give him one uh, Super Bowl championship. Let alone to keep going like Brady's going. Well, I mean that is ridiculous. He has but- to suffer. So, for a hit, in my opinion, yeah no, no question, Richard.
0: I appreciate the call, and I did a lot of research on this organization on Belichick and Brady for my book on Belichick that came out a couple of years ago a few years ago, and listen, Belichick had looked forward to replacing Brady as far back as when they drafted Garoppolo in what seven years ago. And he thought that was going to be the guy to replace Brady. I know he told people that he did look forward to the day where he could try to win a championship without Tom. Now, he fully appreciated what Brady meant to his legacy, but he thought he was aging, and his numbers at that point were declining. What nobody realized, and certainly Belichick didn't, was that Brady was going to have a revival and just have this new chapter in his career where he was amazing winning more Super Bowls. And now you can hit him for letting Brady walk. There were people in the Patriots organization that were really hoping at the last second that Belichick would do something that he never does with players and with players, particularly who were thinking of leaving. And that is kissing their you-know-what to get them to stay. There were some people in that organization who were really hoping at the last second, please don't let him walk. Don't let him do this. Now, Brady did want to leave, but I think if Belichick offered the money in the years and the promises that he wanted to hear, it would have been tough for Brady to actually make that decision. But Bill Belichick doesn't do that, so he didn't. And, yeah, now he has to live with those consequences. Ian O'Connor in for Barton Hahn on 98.7 ESPN. Let's go to Terrence in New Jersey. Terrence, your thoughts on the New York Giants. Go ahead, sir.
1: Yeah, how you doing? I want to know why do you think that the Giants can't beat the Saints in week three? This is not the Saints team that had Drew Dewey. We don't even know who the starting quarterback is going to be for New York.
0: Uh, No, we don't, Terrence, but the Saints every year win 12 or 13 games. And Drew Brees, I know for a fact, there were people in that organization last year in high positions who were kind of hoping that he might retire before last year. And so I don't think just losing Brees, this version of Drew Brees at the end of his career is going to have such a dramatic impact on the Saints that they can't beat the Giants at home. Giants struggle there. I've covered a couple of games in New Orleans, and and it just it it's it's a tough place to win for any team. To expect the Giants to go in there just because Drew Brees is gone, and it was a diminished version of Brees, and win that game, I, I think that's asking a lot. I'm not saying it's impossible. Could they win the game? Yeah, but I I think that if you're looking at it. Going in, you would say that is going to be a very difficult proposition for the Giants to pull off that night against the Saints in New Orleans. Let's go to Berto in Elizabeth. Your thoughts on the NFC and the Rams? Go ahead, Berto.
1: Yeah, you were speaking earlier how Tom Brady has an easy road to the the Super Bowl, but easier, easier are, are loaded now with with um. With their number one defense from last year and now with Matthew Stafford,
4: they got way better. I mean, I know they lost to Cam Akers, but I feel like Darryl Henderson is still going to uh, run the ball good enough how he did before Cam Akers came back last
0: year. Yeah, I don't think it's an easy path. There's no easy path in the NFL. Thanks for the call, Berto. I think it is easier than—and when you give look at Brady's history, again, getting to the Super Bowl 10 times in nine, 19 healthy seasons— not counting 2008. The Rams are better. Stafford, to me, good quarterback, very good quarterback, but that's not going to tilt the NFC in their direction, in my opinion. Brady's better, still. Brady has done an awful lot more postseason winning than Matthew Stafford has done, certainly, over the years. And you you also have Seattle and and Wilson, though he was not happy in the offseason, and... There are some teams that they're going to have to contend with. And so, no, it's not easy. There's a difference between easy and easier. I just think that when you look at what Mahomes has to deal with, I think, I think the Ravens might end up winning that conference. At some point here, they're going to break through again. I think Harbaugh would get back to his second Super Bowl. They've had opportunities now, great teams that have failed in the playoffs. They, they had that disastrous first playoff loss to the Titans. That year, that it looked like they were definitely going to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, and, and and last year fell short again. But I think the the Ravens are going to be a major factor this year. Lamar Jackson's an interesting case, right? He's had COVID twice. He's still not vaccinated. Not sure if he's going to get vaccinated. And I'm not going to turn this into a, a lecture on responsibilities in this country when it comes to that. But it's just strange if you've gotten it twice and you're going to work with a group of guys who are your teammates. And obviously, if you have an outbreak in the wrong week where you're playing a very good opponent or God forbid, a a playoff week, it's yeah, it's a be an interesting situation to watch in Baltimore with Lamar Jackson, what he decides to do after getting COVID-19 twice. Ian O'Connor in for Barton Hahn, 1-800-919-3776. We will get back to uh, Zach Scott and his Zach attack on the Mets players, if you will. Mets have a huge doubleheader today at Citi Field against the Nationals, getting that uh, game suspended last night in the second inning, down 3-1 after Carrasco gave up the three-run homer to Soto in the first. So maybe the rain was a, a good thing for the Mets gives them a chance to catch their breath a little bit, come back and try to win this first game. They'll play nine innings or finish it out through nine innings and then, of course, play seven innings tonight. I think it's it's a must to have these two games, and particularly since the GM spoke out and ripped the player. So he pushed a button, Zach Scott did, and maybe in consultation with Sandy Alderson and Steve Cohen, he pushed a button that was the complete opposite of the button that Pete Alonso has been pushing. So the players and management clearly not on the same page in that organization. So if the players respond and win these games today, tonight, we'll see, that might be a good sign. If they lose both to a team they're better than, or should be, or have an uninspiring split, then that could be a bad thing. So we'll get back to uh, the Mets and Zach Scott. We're talking giants. one 800 If you have thoughts on the jets, Zach Wilson, their weapons or lack thereof, certainly improved weapons this year. And what you think is a reasonable expectation for them, Jets-Giants, of course, playing Saturday night MetLife Stadium. But the Jets, to me, look like a last-place team. And, and that's not necessarily the worst thing in the world when you have a rookie quarterback. And Salah basically said the, that, uh, hey, Peyton Manning, what was Peyton in year one? I'd have to look it up. I think he was 3-13. and 13 went in the Hall of Fame on Sunday. So Zach Wilson is going to struggle here at times this year, if not through the entire season. You hope he stays healthy and just learns and learns and learns. But this is going to be a tough year for the Jets. I think that the Dolphins and the Patriots will be fighting it out for second place in that division and for the one wild card that may come out of that division. And the Jets, it's about developing this player. And I always say this, I've probably said this on the air 100 times, To get back to the Super Bowl for the first time since man stepped on the moon. That's how long it's been. And I personally, in doing this for 35 years, I've never covered the Jets in a Super Bowl. Close in 98, I was there in Denver with Parcells and looked like, hey, at halftime, AFC championship game against John Elway, Jets were on their way. My colleague at the New York Post, Mike Vaccaro, and I—we've talked about this quite a bit over the years—that after that game, the wind picked up in the second half. Elway made a couple plays. The Jets lost the ball, and the Broncos go to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl that I think the Jets would have won had they gotten through that AFC Championship game again. Ahead, what was it? Ten nothing going into the third quarter of that game, and so. But Parcells afterward, standing there outside of his locker room, facing the media as white as a ghost, and he talked about how you people have no idea how much we have to go through next year just to get back to this point. OTAs, mini camps, training camp, preseason, regular season, playoff games leading into the AFC championship game. We have to survive all of that just to get back to where we're standing right here, and we were leading this game into the second half, chance to go to the Super Bowl, and we let it slip away to John Elway and the Broncos. And he was right. What happened week one, that following season, Vinny Testaverdi blows out his Achilles. I believe the Jets were favored to go to the Super Bowl that year. And that was that. And more history is made because that's the end of Parcells. With the Jets that year, Belichick has the job for 24 hours and, you know, the rest. No point in getting back into that. The Giants, to me, look like maybe I'd love to see them get back into the, the win column here in terms of their overall record, finish 9-8, and 10-7 might be pushing it. I don't see an 11-6 and six out of this group, but you want Daniel Jones to progress toward being an elite quarterback in this league in year three. You want Saquon Barkley to be healthy. You want these improved weapons to show up and play and that defense to be really good. That secondary to be one of the best secondaries in the league. That's where the giants are. And Joe judge to develop too, his voice and his leadership of this program. one 800 uh, 3776 is the phone line. And let's go to James in Queens. James, your thoughts on the giants and Daniel Jones. Hey, go ahead, how you James.
1: doing, man? Oh yeah. Daniel Jones. So, he, he, he has progression issues. I mean, he turns the ball over. I mean, if, the question is, if he doesn't progress this season, is he just not the guy? I mean, what do you do if he doesn't progress? It's a good question. at this point. Because, and he's got the same offensive line, I'm sorry to interrupt you, protecting him again after all the issues they had last year there. So I'm nervous.
0: Yeah, you should be nervous, and and if I were a Giants fan, I grew up a Cowboys fan, but uh, my whole family was Giants fans, and I think they're nervous, and and that's okay. You, you need Barkley to be healthy for most of the season, and he does have people to throw the ball to, and I think he is a smart enough guy to get better and learn from his mistakes of the past. The line will see if it holds up. In a relatively weak division, there's no dominant team in the NFC East, or least, and So Washington has that defense, but I I think there are enough. I'm a believer in Joe Judge from the outside looking in. So I I I think, yeah, and thanks for the call, James. Appreciate it. I think that Judge seems to be a guy who's going to be here long term. And as Belichick told John Mara on the phone, when John Mara made the phone call to get a recommendation on Joe Judge, what did Belichick tell him? he told him he's better than the last two guys you hired. <laughs> so Shermer and McAdoo, not trying to take cheap shots at those two guys, but I, I do believe Joe judge is better than the last two guys. They hired one 800 let us go to Todd in California who has a thought on bill Belichick. Go ahead, Todd.
1: Hey, good morning. Thanks for letting me on. And Uh, I apologize up front for the tone, and I'm sorry you're going to bear the brunt of this. But I am just sick and tired of everybody on this network being such an apologist for Bill Belichick. To piggyback off of the caller from a couple of minutes ago, he the greatest quarterback that has ever played, who also happened to be the most coachable player that has ever played, a la uh, Popovich with Tim Duncan. How's a post-Tim Duncan world working out for Popovich? How is a post-Brady world going to work out for Belichick? But yet, everybody runs to the defense of Belichick when he's a fantastic coach, no doubt. But his GM skills are just not what they need to be. And to kind of cement my case, just look at what he did this offseason. He went so over the top with money spent on weapons for Mac Jones and Cam Newton. Where was that money when Tom Brady was still getting into Super Bowls with Julian Edelman, of all people, as his lead receiver? It's ridiculous. It's a, I don't know what the narrative is, but please, let's hit eject on this Belichick is perfect. He's, a, he's really not a good GM. Well, well listen, Todd, I don't think I, to get weapons is hard.
0: I don't think anyone said he was perfect. I said this was a big bounce back year for him because if he goes seven and nine again, he's going to get ripped. And he got ripped for Brady leaving. And listen, Brady wanted to leave, too. So that's part of it. And there were people in the Patriots organization. Thanks for the phone call from uh, california but there were people in that organization trying to convince belichick to do more to keep him so that's true and listen if they fail again the patriots and brady is winning again in the postseason he's going to get killed again i don't know i can't speak for anyone else on this station but i did write a a balanced book about him the negatives and the positives i believe anyway i'm biased i i wrote it so uh if you get a chance and you want to Buy it on Amazon for $3, and and you can be the judge. But certainly, I don't think it was an overwhelmingly positive book. Maybe it was in your estimation, if you get a chance to read it. But I think that you can rip him for letting Brady walk, and people have. And I think that will intensify if the Patriots don't get it done, don't make the postseason this year, and Tom Brady does and goes back to the Super Bowl, even if he doesn't. If the, if the Patriots are under 500 and Brady is a significant force in the NFC and in the tournament, Belichick is going to get killed for that. So, I don't know. I haven't heard other people praise Belichick. I do think he deserves a little bit more than one year to build this second post-Brady program. What if Mac Jones turns into, I'm not going to say he's not going to be Tom Brady, but what if Mac Jones, he develops him into a quarterback who wins two Super Bowls? Over the next eight years. So then, what do you say? So he deserves more time than one year. So let's see how it plays out. But he he will get killed this year if they go six and ten. Let's go to Bobby on Long Island. Bobby, your thoughts on Joe Judge? Go ahead.
1: Yeah, hi. Yeah, I disagree with you. Uh, Daniel Jones, I should say, Dan Turnover was a worst rated quarterback. Was quarterbacks that had at least 14 starts. That's on the head coach. He's regressed. He won six games. A terrible division. That's on the head coach. I don't. Understand. You know, I okay. He's done a decent job. The defense got better. But for him, for people to say this guy's doing such a good job, I mean, I don't even see it. Um, as far as the general manager is concerned, um, this guy hasn't made one good draft pick. If you look at it, all his picks, uh, going back from Thomas, he had four tackles. He, he had the first choice. He got the got the worst one. Daniel Jones, he could have gotten him at, at 17, picks him at six. Barkley, wide pick a running back. say quarterbacks, Allen, Baker, Baker Mayfield were there. Guy already tore his ACL. He's the ninja the last two years. Who knows where he goes? have to so Baker, terrible cornerback, was a bust. Uh, this young, how the hell he doesn't pick an, an offensive lineman when he says the offensive line has value, they're the worst-rated offensive line in the league last year and it uh, worst pass-blocking uh, league. So I don't care if you have Brady or Montana going to uh, Rice, Swan or Solar. But That offensive line is no good. It isn't even going to matter. general manager will be gone. Hopefully, Matt will, will, will let the new general manager come in here and hire a new coach, and they'll have a new quarterback. Well, listen, <laughs>
0: Gettle, Gettleman is obviously on the line here. Thanks, Bobby, for the call. I think saying Judge isn't doing a good job. It, it's, it's one year. It's 6-10. It's just... I just, From the outside looking in, I think he's got a chance to be really good, but he hasn't proven that yet. And I don't think, unless this season got completely away from the Giants, I don't think Joe Judge is going to be fired at the end of a losing season this year. It would have to be really ugly for that to happen. I think the Giants, for the first time, believe they have a coach in the mold of Coughlin and maybe a Parcells. That judge can can coach in that image. They like that in this organization. So all I'm saying is, it seems to me that Judge has a chance to be really good. Now he goes six and ten again. I think he'll be back, but that's it. Then he has to have a winning season. Now when it comes to Jones, it's going to be fascinating to see because they're going to get to a point where they have to decide whether or not to pay him. So. There are – if he has a losing season but puts up good numbers and it seems like it's not really his fault, then okay. But if it's turnovers again, bad decisions, defer, delayed decisions that, that lead to sacks, uh, yeah, that's going to be a problem, and the Giants are, might be back at uh, square one at that position. But let's see how it plays out. Let's get one more before the break. We'll go to Lonnie in Harlem. Lonnie, your thoughts on the, on the Giants. Go ahead.
1: Hey good afternoon, Ian O'Connor. I was just calling because I'm listening, um, and I heard you say something about how the Marathi act, I believe, Bill Belichick, um, about uh, Joe Judge being a head coach and all of that. And John Marat he's yeah. saying that he will be right. He'll be better than your last two. Honestly, as I just told um, Anthony, anybody. I mean, I don't want to say anybody could have been better than them, but listen, Pat Sherma constantly looked lost on the sideline. All the time. Every time I'm watching the game, he looked lost. And then Ben McAdoo, the thing is with Ben, I believe they brought him in because of the whole, his offensive scheme and everything. But the thing is, he did have Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback. Then he did have a, bit of, you know, a lot of uh, offensive pieces. But my thing is, Ben McAdoo lost the city, and he lost everybody when he put, when he benched Eli for Regino uh, Smith. And that right there was just tragic. So I, I felt like I had to call him and say that because you, you're absolutely right. I think Joe Judge is going to be a great coach. He he seems to be a great coach already. And as the uh, my Hall of Famer, the Yankee broadcaster uh, Michael Kay says, I believe Joe Judge is he's canting down almost, it, it, but he has to get everything steered the right way, which I think he's doing. And he does remind me of. Um, Coughlin, a little bit in. Coughlin bought us two championships, so i would be happy if he could get that done for us as well. Thank, Thank you for you. the call,
0: Lonnie. Appreciate it. And listen, uh, we're not putting Joe Judge in Canton. Just saying that he did, give him a chance. It looks like he has an opportunity here to be really good. And you wonder when the Giants hired him, they were blown away in the interview. Now, Joe Judge wins the interview. He won the press conference. He won the audition. Now he has to win some games, but if they fell in love with him and they see him in the mold of a Coughlin, maybe a Parcells, why they hired McAdoo and Shermer too? why the Mara Tish clan, why they, because that, that, that's a different style of coaching and maybe they wanted to fail or they had to fail uh, with that kind of head coach to go back to the Coughlin mold because they wanted to get away from Coughlin at the end. Really, they wanted something different. And now with Judge, they're kind of going back to Tom. <laughs> so, and I know that happens in sports. Owners, when they get sick of a head coach, they hire somebody with seemingly the opposite approach and see if that works. And if it doesn't, then they go back to the old approach. And I think that's what Judge represents. The Ian O'Connor Show on 98.7 ESPN. I did not think today was going to be a day spend two hours on the radio talking about Belichick here in New York. But the callers are demanding it, Belichick and the Giants. And I wanted to get to Zach Scott and the Mets. I guess I will wait till I get to City Field a little bit later today. But your thoughts one eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Let's go to Paul in White Plains. Paul, your thoughts on Belichick and the Giants? Yes, go ahead.
4: actually, I was on uh, feeding off the last uh, Bill Belichick, um, the last Bill Belichick thing. I think Bill Belichick is going to be the next GM for the Giants. He sends Joe Judge there. He's like a you know a clone of him. I feel you know hard nose. and I'm a Jet fan. <laughs> but I think Joe Judge is, Joe Judge is the real deal. You know, especially after last year when he suspended Golden Tate, and they go out to Seattle and win. That speaks a lot to what the, those players think of him. You know what I mean? Well, I'll, I'll, hold it
0: right there, Paul, and, and stay on line. I I was asked a number of times last year if I thought that Belichick would ever work for another organization. And after Brady left, would he ultimately just call it a day in New England and maybe try to win somewhere else? And I said there's a 99% chance that will not happen. But there's a 1% chance, and that 1% would be to go be the head coach or general manager of the Giants. Because in his heart, I still think he sees himself as a Giant. That's where he learned about the, the National Football League. And the one place he gets emotional talking about is the is the Giants organization yeah. in New York. And Joe Judge told me on the phone the other day that the, the when he talks to Belichick or when he talked to Belichick in New England as his assistant about the Giants, that was the one thing, that was the one subject where Bill was different. Like he talked about the Giants and New York differently than any other subject or any other place involving the National Football League. So anyway, I'm sorry, go ahead.
4: Yes, and um, no, I definitely, I just, I see that happening, and that 1% is, maybe the number's one, but I'm telling you, it's bigger, it's going to happen, and by the way, um, I believe you know my good friend Bill Casey, he used to write for the, the Journal News?
0: Sure, yeah,
4: yeah, and... Yeah, Bill, uh, yeah, we, we, we lost him, but I, you know, he always spoke highly of you, so... Thank I'm you, a, you know, I'm, I'm sorry to hear guy, that, but... but... I, I got to yeah, move on, but thanks for the call,
0: him. Paul. And, and I do think that it is a 1% proposition with Belichick and the the Giants or him just leaving at this point. I think now he's just focused on trying to build a post-Brady program that can win a Super Bowl. And he thinks he has the quarterback in his system now and Mac Jones who can maybe – they're never going to replicate what they had. It, it would be uh, ridiculous to even try, but to – to maybe get back to a point within the next few years where they can contend for a Super Bowl championship. Let's go to Ryan in Patterson. Ryan, your thoughts on the New York Giants. Go ahead, Ryan.
1: Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? How are you? Uh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. good. So, My my first thing I want to say, is I want to talk about the Giants. But before I get to the Giants, I want to say, like, I'm confused by all the analysts on the network when they keep saying that the, the Cowboys are going to win a division. The Cowboys have had a good offense for the past five years have been trash. Well not the past five years, the past three years they've been trashed. I'm confused how they're being picked to win a division. I, I I really don't get it. Well I'll tell I you how I think trash.
0: I think people are looking at the rest of the teams in that division and saying, Okay, we'll default to Dallas because they have the best quarterback. Now he has to stay healthy. And yeah, but, but but I think I think in Washington has the defense, but Offensively, they're going to be challenged, if not very challenged, and so I think it's more a product, Ryan, of that division. Relatively stinks.
1: Well, I feel like I feel like uh, the Giants have gotten way better. I feel like the Giant. I'm picking the Giants to win the division. Uh, I don't expect anything from the Cowboys. I think they're going to be the same old Cowboys that they've been the past three years. The Redskins have no quarterback. I don't trust Fitzpatrick. He's he's due for a bad season. If you look at his career, he's up down up down. This is the year he's due for a bad season. So I, I really don't trust the Patrick and the Eagles. I think the Eagles have a uh, they have a good team. They have a bad team, but a good coach. I think they did find their coach. If you watch the, the press conferences, the coach that they have is a good coach. I feel like he's a leader of men. I would play for him. And one last thing before I go, uh, Greg Popovich. Greg Popovich hasn't won without Tim Duncan in about over, like about ten years. He's fired the most overrated NBA coach of all time. So I don't understand why people think he's a great coach. Bill Belichick is a great coach. He's a Hall of Famer. And and that's all I gotta say. That's it. Well thanks for the call. And of
0: course he is and and
1: appreciate
0: it. The by the way, the uh the Yankees have another COVID nineteen positive test, or at least a player on the COVID nineteen list in Clay Holmes, who's done a good job for them. And so the Yankees have just announced that in Kansas City that he does have symptoms and Anthony Pusic, my great producer, just passed that along, that news. And it's troubling news because the Yankees have had just so many guys on that COVID list, and it just, if they make the playoffs, I still believe they will as a wild card, maybe as the first wild card hosting that shootout game. But, man, they've had three outbreaks over the course of the season. And I think 10, 11 guys now over a month and change on this COVID list. So, you have to wonder how many of these can they withstand, and and still be a postseason team. Then, of course, if it happens again in the postseason, it could destroy the their chances of of making noise in October. So. This is a problem now with this team and this franchise, unfortunately. And your your concern first and foremost is with the players and their families. No question, it's about their health. And so, but this is a sports radio talk show, so we have to talk about sports. And in a baseball context, if you're a fan of the Yankees and you believe they're going to make the playoffs, this is if this continues and they can't control these outbreaks, that could be the thing that stops them. And that would be really, really unfortunate. Otherwise, outside of last night, they've been playing really great, resilient baseball after seemingly being on the brink of a disastrous season. And I mentioned earlier that about six weeks ago, Hal Steinbrenner blamed the players. And well, anyway, not since that point, but from the point where they lost that second game to the Mets, the first game of that July 4th doubleheader, they were 21-9, and I believe, going into last night and losing that game. So I wasn't going to go crazy over it. They're only two back of the wild card right now. So the Yankees are in good position, as the Mets are falling apart, going the other way. And so, if you put the Yankees, of course, in the National League East, they'd they'd be in first place and in good position. They're not. They're in the they're with the beasts of the AL East and four really good teams that have more than sixty wins in that uh, division and no other. Another division has that in Major League Baseball. So it's sort of a tale of two baseball cities right now. Zach Scott, the acting GM of the Mets, of course, yesterday ripping the players over lack of performance and lack of compliance, which might be a a bigger issue. We'll try to get back to that before we sign off here. Ian O'Connor in for Barton Hahn on 98.7 ESPN. Let's go to Greg in Bergen County. Your thoughts on the Giants and their offensive line. Go ahead, Greg.
3: Yeah, Ian, uh, by the way, uh, I enjoyed your book on Belichick. Uh, Thank you. I have a question about the book also for you. But the the first question, you know, first statement, I, I'm surprised you're drinking the Kool-Aid on the Giants a little bit. Everybody's talking about how, how they're loaded. But their offensive line with two second-year guys at tackles two guards that basically uh, one can run block and one can pass block, but neither one can do the opposite. And they just gave a lot of money to this guy, Nick Gates, and the two subs that they were counting on – both left the team, so they basically only have one guy sold there, and you know one or two guys are going to go down during the year. So, uh, you know, you know I've, I've seen this movie before where, you know, Reese and Gettleman, uh, Gettleman at least tried to do something with the offensive line. He's just so inept, he didn't know what to do when he drafted Hernandez. So, um, uh, you know, I, I'm just worried. That, well, you know, before you ask me about the that, Belichick
0: book, you, before you ask me about the book, let me say uh, about that. Uh, that's why I say swing passes to Barkley. Get the ball out of the quarterback's hand. Put less pressure on the offensive line, and get it in the hands of your best and most dynamic offensive player. Now he's got to stay healthy, and it gets him outside.
3: Yeah, but you, but you also, you also know Garrett. Garrett, how many times do you see the Giants last two years in second and ten, and second and ten for the Giants is, is disaster because they can never do anything unless they stay out of the predictable passing down, and and then that's that's when things start start to fall apart. So. Listen, I, I you know I go back to the Giants for fifty years, and I, and I hope you're right. But I just you know everybody's talking about these new additions that they had, but the offensive line—it all starts there. And I want Daniel Jones to succeed, so you know it, it will, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And they're back into their schedule; very tough to see. So, no know. question. You have a thought but on I the book, real quick. quick? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, real real, real quick. You know, I, I'm curious. You know, you know, Belichick didn't cooperate with you on the book, and I'm wondering how long and then how far you went to get him to do that. You know, I remember him back from his special team you know, days with the Giants way back when, and he's just a completely different guy now than he obviously than he was then. But what was your experience like trying to, uh, trying to get him to cooperate?
0: Well, it was, uh, obviously I went through the Patriots and multiple times, and in fact, at the end of the process, having not talked to him, and Belichick actually lobbied some people not to talk to me, and that's his prerogative. That's fine. Going into the project, I did not think... He would cooperate. But I did send him a, an email right near the end as I was about to send in my manuscript, basically. And I said, Listen, Bill, uh, I've asked your public relations people, Bears Nigerian, his guy, on multiple occasions to get access to you. I have a lot of information in this book that hasn't been published before. If there's any chance you'd be willing to sit down with me on or off the record anywhere in the world, if I have 24 hours notice, I will get on a plane and meet you there. And I'm paraphrasing. I basically put it in those terms to some degree. I forget how I worded it exactly. But just wanted to know that I will I will stop at nothing to, to make that happen. And, of course, he did respond. I didn't think he would. And I got an email at like 6 in the morning one Saturday, I believe it was, just saying, hey, I appreciate the offer, but I'm really busy this spring, so I'm going to take a pass. Best BB. That was it. Now, I assume he wrote it and not his assistant, but – Whatever. So I got a response and that was it. So I sent him the book. I never heard from him afterward. I did hear from one of his best friends, John Bon Jovi, at the Super Bowl that he really liked it and he thought it was very fair and that other Bill friends felt the same way. So other than that, I never heard from Belichick about it and so be it. The Ian O'Connor Show on 98.7 ESPN.